Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. We're studying James 4.8, which says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Oh, there's no more delightful thought to a Christian than the idea of drawing near to God. Nothing we desire more. But what do you do when you try to draw near to Him and it doesn't work? So that's the first command out of these ten. First one, submit yourselves to God. Now look at the next two. Resist the devil and come near to God. Those two go together. And you can see the parallelism. It's not hard to see. Two two commands, two promises. They're opposites. Resist and come near. So we'll group those two together under one heading, return to God. The reason I'm grouping them, these ten commands are going to be hard to remember, but I think we we can group them in four basic headings. Okay, We'll hit the first two this time, and then we'll plan on the next two next time. But these two we can put under return to God. So first submit to God, then return to God. Okay? That's the first two things you need to know in dealing with sin in your life. Submit to God, then return to God. And, and, and this, this resist the devil and draw near to God go together because every time we sin, what we're doing is we're submitting to the devil and resisting God. Right? That's what we do when we sin, every sin. And so the most basic feature of repentance is just to simply reverse that. Resist the devil and submit to God. That's why so often in the Bible, when you hear any discussion about repentance, you so often see this word, turn, turn, turn back. You've got to do a 180. When you sin, you've got to do a 180. You can't face two directions at the same time in your heart. You've got to turn around back to God. This is so, so important. This principle about repentance, very often people don't understand this, and yet it's so critical. Repentance is not just turning away from the sin. It's turning away from the sin back to God. And that's the most critical part. You've got to turn back to God, toward God. If you just stop doing some sinful action, and that's it, that's not repentance. If, you, if, it's, if it doesn't involve turning back to God, if it doesn't involve drawing near to God, it's not, you haven't repented yet. So you, you know, you're struggling with drinking and you get drunk every week, you fall into it, you go out, you end up getting drunk, you get drunk, you get drunk, week after week, and then finally one time you say, that's it, I've had it, that's enough, I'm, dr- I'm, I'm, I'm done drinking, and you dump out all your alcohol and whatever, and you get some accountability, and after that you never touch a drop of alcohol the rest of your life until the day you die. Have you repented of drunkenness? No. If that's all you do, if if it if you didn't if you didn't also turn back to God then no you haven't repented. When I do some sinful thing, the reason I did that sinful thing is because I, leading up to doing it, I was moving in a direction away from God. He's back there. I'm going this way. The only time I repent is if I stop moving this way, turn back around, and go this way back to God. And that won't happen until I also turn my heart because my heart I'm. I'm I'm committing that action because my heart's in love with that sinful thing. And if I just stop doing the action, but my heart's still in love with it, I haven't repented. i got to deal with that. Turn to Luke 15. I'd like you to see this in your own Bible. We'll just go ahead and turn there. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, this is, the, this is a, an account of, I think, one of the most helpful descriptions of repentance in the whole Bible and we can see a picture of it. Those of you who like to have pictures in your mind and stories, this will help you. 
Because it's the, it's the, it's the description of the repentance of the prodigal son. Jesus was making a point in Luke 15 about how God rejoices over sinners who repent. And that's the point of the chapter. And so he makes up a story about a guy who sins against his father in just the most extreme way and then repents. He takes his father's money, he abandons his dad, leaves him, goes off, blows the money on debauchery and drunkenness and wild partying lifestyle and all this garbage, and then finally runs out of money, hits rock bottom, and then like rock bottom, the only job he could find was feeding pigs, which, I mean, that's unclean for anybody, but you can imagine for a Jew, <laughs> that's like, that's really just like the epitome of unclean, the most horrific unclean situation imaginable. He's in there with the pigs. And he's starving to death. It says in the passage, he's starving to death in verse 17. So he's so he's not even getting paid enough. He's doing this horrible job. He's not even getting paid enough to make enough money to even eat to the point where he's longing for some of the pig slop. And he can't have it, <laughs> which is a pretty strict pig owner, if you ask me. That just seems, I mean, it's not like it's going to ruin him financially if he lets the guy eat a little bit of the slop, but but... I think the point that Jesus is making here is he's painting a picture of this prodigal is being taken advantage of. He's got a really bad relationship with his employer. His employer is taking advantage of him. He's not even paying him enough to eat, and then he won't even eat, let him eat the pig slop. Just rock bottom. And what Jesus is saying here is, this is the path that sin leads you. It starts out a lot of fun, all the partying, all that. It, here's where it ends. And so he's just letting us see that in the picture. That's where it ends. All right, so... so uh, the repentance starts in verse 17. That's where it begins to form. Look at verse 17. Luke 15:17. It says, when he came to his senses. Now stop right there. That right there is the beginning point of true repentance. Coming to your senses. See, leaving your father and seeking happiness in the world is insanity. Every time we sin, we're losing our mind. We're losing. Why would we do that? And so the beginning point of repentance is snapping out of that insanity and coming back to your senses and realizing the folly of it. So that's what this guy's doing. He's like, he's like snaps out of it. He's like, what, what am I doing? This is ridiculous. But look at how Jesus describes him coming to his senses. He doesn't say, oh, this is insanity. i gotta get a, I got to find a better job. Or, uh, this is insanity. I need to cut back on the partying and stay on budget. You know, Or, this is it. No, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He says, this is insanity. My dad is rich. This is true repentance. Verse 17. He says, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And I'm out here starving to death. See, mark this. Repentance is all about your attitude towards your father and your attitude towards where true riches reside. My father's house or the pleasures of sin. See, in his insanity, he was thinking true riches was in the, in the pleasures of sin. And now he comes to his senses and they're like, that's stupid. No, true riches, my dad's house, that's where it is. And so look at verse 18, what he does. I will set out and go back to my father. There it is. That's repentance. That is the heart and soul of repentance. It's not mainly about stopping an activity. It's not mainly about cleaning, your, cleaning up your act. It's first and foremost a matter of returning to your heavenly Father and preferring His house over the pleasures of sin in this world. That's repentance. 
There's so many Christians that they, they just can't gain victory over certain sins in their life because all they're doing is focusing on that particular sinful action and they never address the fact that their heart has drifted away from God. They don't think that's happening. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm still close to God. It's just this sin, I don't know, it's some anomaly, it's some weird thing, I don't understand it. But And they're far from God's presence, but they won't admit that. They, they don't think, they won't admit it to themselves. They think they're close to God, and so they, they don't have any, they won't draw near to God because they don't have any sense of having left God. And so James is showing us here, he's like, you've got to understand, it's a turning back to God. So resist the devil, and then you can draw near to God. Then you can draw near. Now that you've made this decisive break with the world and with Satan, and you've busted up that love affair that your heart was having with sin, now you can draw near to God, and that's what you need to do. That's the only place you're going to be safe. It's the only place you're going to be safe. Imagine... You're like a new recruit back in the days of ancient Israel uh, with King David, and you're, it's your first battle, and you're going in there. You're, you know, you start fighting. You're all nervous, and you're fighting, and you're. And next thing you know, everything goes goes sideways, and you're, and you get separated from your group, and you're surrounded by Philistines, and the things are getting hot, and 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 you're get, you're getting overwhelmed, and you don't know what to do, and it's starting to be too much. And then you look over, you see the flag, and you see, oh, there's David, there's King David. I got to get over to him, and you fight the way over to him. You get, it's just like I'll be, I'll be okay if I can just get. In. And then you get next to David, and then you find David's over there he's mowing down philistines like lawnmower with his right hand you know eating an apple with his left hand just and you're just like okay now i'm good now i'm safe i'm next to david you need to get that close to god that when when you're in spiritual warfare you're dealing with beings principalities powers rulers authorities demons satan things way you're in way over your head you can't do anything to them you're, i mean they're huge powerful beings you're not going to have, I mean, these are beings that have brought down the most, the strongest men and women in history. You need to get close to God. You got to find a way to get close to God. You got to draw near. You say, well, how do I do that? How do I draw near to God? Well, you, you start by listening to Him, right? You get up in the morning. Don't just, just, just open up your Bible because it's a chore. Open this thing up and draw near to God. Start, listen, what do you have to say to me today, God? Spend some time in the Word and in prayer. And then, and then try this. Each time you do that in the morning, take one thing, one attribute of God, one principle, one uh, promise from His Word, something like that, and hold on to it through the day. Just keep it right in the front burner of your thinking all day long. It's right in front of you. It's, it's, that's my front burner thought for today. When I do that in the morning, I always try to post on Facebook. My, my, the reason I do that is because then when people like it, I get a little notice all through the day. And then that reminds me to think about it. Uh, so you thought I was doing that for you. Oh, that's for me. <laughs> now I'm not going to know if you actually like it. You're just going to be doing it for my benefit. So I'll walk with the Lord. Well, that's good. Anyway, um, do something to keep a front burner thought. And, and, and then um, all through the day, whenever you experience some pleasure, interpret that as a gesture of God's love for you. That's fellowship with God. And whenever you experience pain, use that to increase your, the, the thirst of your soul, to draw near to God. Oh, God, this, I need God. If this pain, it, 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 it's driving me to, to find comfort in God. Whenever 
um, you do that all through the day. Every single thing you do through the day, just make it a little act of fellowship with God. This is all principles of drawing near to God, drawing near to God. This is how you deal with sin in your life. Don't just read your Bible to move the bookmark. Don't do it, don't do it like homework at school. Read your Bible to get close to God. And while you're reading, pray, God, just be in this room with me and let me sense your presence here. And when I, when my eyes are open to understand the principle, let me realize that's the Holy Spirit working. I, you're right here. I'm experiencing your presence. When you listen to a sermon, don't just listen to it. Make it an hour of worship. God, you're speaking through your word. Any kind of fighting the devil that doesn't involve drawing near to God is not real fighting. And it won't work. But if you draw near to God, here's the greatest prom- promise of all. He'll draw near to you. Is that an awesome promise? You're not only going to see the devil's back as he runs away, you're going to see the face of God as he's coming close to you. Which is great news because drawing near to God is kind of like drawing near to the opposite side of the galaxy. I mean, if you, if God doesn't make some movement towards you on his end, it's not going to happen. But he does. He moves toward you. Go back to Luke 15. We'll just close with this. Go back to Luke 15. With the prodigal son. We started with the prodigal son. What happened when the prodigal finally went back to his father? I mean, he's already with his big speech about how I'm unworthy to be your son and I don't want, I come back as a slave and all that. And he's ready for the speech. Luke 15, 20. Look at verse 20, partway through the verse. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. This is, the, the father is God, the prodigal is you. You understand that? This is you repenting. This is what happens when you repent of your sins. God runs, throws his arms around, kissed you. And then the son, he's still, he's still got his plan. He's still going to try to get the speech out. Verse 21. Son says, Father, I have sinned against heaven, against you. I'm no longer call your son. And father just interrupts him. Verse 22. Father said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. And so they began to celebrate. That's the way God responds. He will draw near to you. Inch toward God, he will step toward you. Step toward God, he will run toward you. Run to God, he will fly to you. He's not reluctant. Draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. He loves to be with the repentant. Oh, Lord God, these promises are awesome. That the devil would flee from us and you would actually draw near to us, give us your grace and lift us up. What a marvelous, marvelous joy. Wake us up from the insanity of sin. Help us come to our senses. If it need be, Lord, put us in the pigsty. Whatever it's going to take to wake us up, that we might let go of sin, break our love affair with the world, and draw near to you. We pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Consider the spiritual struggles you have in your life right now. When you fight against those, do you see it mainly in terms of just trying to change your behavior? Or do you see yourself as having distanced yourself from God in that area, and the main goal is to get close to Him again? Many times, the reason we don't have better success in fighting our spiritual battles is we think of them as behavioral issues rather than relational ones. 
in that area where you struggle, ask yourself, what's gone wrong in your relationship with God that results in the kinds of behavioral problems you're having? Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And the worst part is so often I don't feel that thirst as thirst for you. My soul is desperate for the refreshment and renewal and strengthening that comes from your presence. And I interpret that emptiness and dryness as a need for entertainment or food or even sin. Oh, Father, repair my sanity and let me feel my soul's longings for you for what they really are. I have beheld your power and your glory. It was marvelous to me when I experienced it, but my memory is so short. I believe that your love is better than life at its best, better than anything in the whole world, better than anything I can even imagine. I believe that, Lord. Help my unbelief. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I know my soul will be satisfied as with the richest of foods when I draw near to you. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Please, Father, show me what's gone wrong in our relationship, in those areas where I keep sinning against you. And in those areas, help me return to you. I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.